Welcome to the Gateway Ministry School Life for Leadership podcast. Hear from our Gateway Ministry School speakers as they share insights into their unique leadership experience. We hope this episode will enhance and contribute to your leadership journey. Sav, here we are again for another episode of this podcast, which is called... Life of Leadership. Sam. I didn't forget. I was just making sure you no, still no, that's knew. That's all good. I'm awake. I'm here. It's good to see you. Great to, good see, to see you in this warm room on a cold day. Yes. We have a we have a very special guest here, and and I'm not sure if he understands how influential he's been in my life because I I actually went to Bible college with this man. Oh wow! And back in the day, he he really pushed me to new heights that I didn't think I was capable of reaching. He really challenged me and forced me to achieve things that I didn't know ha- that I did not know. I had within me, he really lifted my ping pong game. Come on. It was incredible. I was we wondering where this was going for a second. Hours. I knew you were a terrible student, so I didn't achieve all that much. Well, the feelings so are mutual. How did you get to so where you are ping now? Ping we failed together. No. Dan Patterson, my lowest mark welcome. was in the preaching class at Bible College. <laughs> Still hold that one up to John Sweetman. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah let's uh, let's uh, maybe not dwell on Bible college days. <laughs> some dark, dark it's good days in my life. Thanks for having us on the podcast. Dan Patterson, if uh, if you missed it, is our, is our guest today. Dan, welcome. Welcome. It's great to be here. Excellent, mate. What I would love to do, I, I know what burns in your heart is under the broad heading of evangelism, and your the organisation you run, questioning Christianity. I'd love to talk about how you got there. How, as a leader, did you go from like the seed of an idea to an actual reality? What are some of the key steps along the way? For those, I think some of our listeners who, mm. who have a leadership calling, that's in their heart to pioneer something new, to trailblaze, to start a new movement or a new organization. Can you give us some hints and some tips from your experience along the way? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm not sure how helpful I'm going to be in this area because I'm sort of a unwilling leader in that regard. Uh, more that I never had any aspirations for any form of governance. I'm very happy to leave all of the administrative burden and the pressures that come with having the table that everyone puts their complaints onto uh, to someone else just to free me to do healthy gospel ministry. And so when I was considering, all right, what next after my time with RZAM and exploring pastoral opportunities and requests to, to put an application? or roles with other existing organizations. They'd say, hey, here's the position description. Here's what we'd love you to do. And it looks relatively attractive, but just wasn't exactly where God had shaped my heart. There was just a degree of uncertainty there and and certainly taking some time to consider. And it was really within the shape of about 24 hours that four different people that we knew who are not linked in any significant way, who are radically different in terms of the theological spectrum and how they Mm -hmm. experience the Mm -hmm. presence of God and listen to his voice, all got in contact with me to say some variation of, I was praying and I had a sense that God wanted you to do X, or I was woken up in the middle of the night and God told me, I have to tell you X. And it was all around launching something new. And that did not sit reasonably comfortably. I'm like, I'm, I love doing gospel ministry. I want to talk to people about Jesus. I want to field their questions and help them move through there. I don't want the headache of launching an organization. How do you even do something like that? Mm. And so it took a couple of weeks for me to be convinced by the Holy Spirit that this was something we were meant to do. And the next step then for me was very much scaffolding 
my surround around me with the kind of people that would help make something like that happen. Now I'm not new to leadership. I've been in pastoral ministry. I had organizational responsibility for launching a ministry here in Australia, at least an arm of a, an international ministry. So none of that's new, but it's certainly when you're talking about forming constitutions and setting up companies and getting boards together, developing resources and building vision. And all of this was somewhat new territory. And, uh, and so it was wonderful to me to realize the gift of God's people in that mm. I can outsource a lot of that and surround myself with helpful, godly, wise people mm. whose gifts better fit that. So uh, one of the guys that I'd married a long time ago, who is the biggest stickler for doing the right thing that I could think of, the, the best person <laughs> who would say no to me if yeah. I proposed something that wasn't right, uh, is just wonderful with, with finances. It's his professional jobs, background as um, uh, an accountant. And so I got in touch and said, hey, would you be willing to come on board and oversee the finances for this new developing ministry. He's like, yep. And so I went to an ex-senior pastor who took a small church to a very, very large church, is in leadership consultancy in his retirement years. And I said, hey, would you be willing to be chair of my board and help mm. me forge a healthy vision for the next while? Ask questions from your wisdom that you know we need to be preparing as a young organization to make sure we don't get caught blind in that regard. And he said, yes, thankfully. And then I'm thinking, well, given the litigious world that we live in, we just need to take such care in developing healthy policy and to make sure that we're doing all that we can to be above reproach legally. So I went to a not-for-profit lawyer who I knew and I said, hey, would you be willing to come on our board and help us write healthy policy and challenge us to make sure that we're doing the thing best practice from a legal front? And she said, yes. <laughs> and so every time I kept asking the question of people that I was sure were going to say, no, I don't have time for this, God just kept softening their wow. heart to yeah, say we want cool. to jump on board. And so to develop from that point, just this healthy board and then, uh, you know, through those early seasons, which are tough, like um, looking after a family, figuring mm -hmm. what are next steps. It's the middle of COVID. We're fundraising for months mm. to, before we're able to launch as an organization. And you're just thinking, Lord, I hope, I hope you're in all of this. It was just the trust that his heart is for evangelism. And no matter how the organization goes, that's the ministry that we felt really called to. And it's just a healthy avenue to pursue that. And by the grace of God, it, it launched uh, in January of mm. 2021 and uh, came on staff. And since then, it's just been, all right, what is the next degree of scaffolding to help mm. this grow another level? And yeah. so that's been staff members, that's been other board members, mm. that's been key supporters and friends uh, along the way who have played a crucial role in unlocking new opportunities. It's been building stakeholder uh, relationships with schools and university groups who would have us in regularly to, to do speaking or with pastors to send along people for training or with church networks to come and, and say, hey, we want you to run a series of events with us. So yeah, a ton of lessons, but mostly getting the right people on team with you to do the things that they're gifted to do that frees you up to do what you're gifted to do. I think that's fantastic, Dan, because I reckon what you've done there just in that brief overview, thanks for that, is have spoken to two myths that I think, well, that I have, I don't know if you have Sav or our listeners have, but the myth of the pioneer, the myth of the trailblazer, <laughs> they're, they're like solo, you know, that can go out and make things happen yeah. by themselves. Um, you said straight off the bat, surrounded by people and the relationship's really important. The other thing you talked about that I think is probably a reality that uh, you think would be, would do everything to stand between us and what we feel God is calling us to is all the red tape, all the legal stuff, all the board stuff, all of that setting up. But that—that's what you went to next. That's the stuff you talked about. That was really important to get, was to get in, to get in line. Anywhere along the way, uh, what what were the setbacks? What were the discouraging things, particularly in relation to those two areas—the relationships with people and and all of the stuff that you thought, man, we just got to plow through this. Um, 
I don't it's really want to. It's just easy, but, I yeah, think, is the thing sure. to know. And, and with anything new, uh, if you're going to get into church planning or organizational leadership, you just never get to always do what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a yeah. lot of slack that you pick up. There's going to be a lot of holes that you have to learn how to fill. There's going to be a lot of skills you don't have, but you just got to learn them mm. to be able to fulfill those needs. And anyone that you bring on team has to have that same attitude or a willingness. It's not just what's shared in a PD that's your responsibilities. We've just mm-hmm. got to pick up slack where needed. Mm-hmm. And so that humility to recognize what we don't have and where we mm. need to bring it in. And also just that willingness to jump on board and learn new things where you need to, um, to have that servant attitude. They're just a couple of, key qualities that I needed to make sure I was willing to keep diving yeah. into and that other people that you're bringing on board are as well. Um, the discouragements, I think, are just recognizing um, how much time can be taken up on the organizational development side. And so if you want to look at organization and organism, uh, organization is like the skeleton or uh, the, the, the hard exterior that the organism can grow up around mm. um, to make it functional. And if the organization is too overbearing, well, the organism doesn't have room to grow. And if the organism starts to grow too quickly without a strong enough organization behind it, well, then at some point it's just going to be an amorphous blob. Mm. It's not going to mm. achieve much in an invertebrate that can't move in a world yeah. with gravity. So I think learning uh, for me just, okay, at what point now, okay, we're focusing on the organism, great. A couple of months of really healthy ministry, giving some emphasis there. And it's like, oh, we actually just need to spend some time developing some more policy, some mm. staff training, uh, making sure that our insurances are going well, trying to foresee in our planning kind of next yeah. step challenges. Mm. What's it going to take for us to grow as an organization? So is this us? Are we small and nimble? Is this how we're staying? Or are we meant to have a bit of, bigger expansive role and bring others on board as well? They're just questions you have to keep asking along the way, the development mm. of the organization and then the development of the organism. Uh, so it's just there's always something to do and if there's the there's something that's discouraging or hard mm. it's just been that realization that uh when you're diving into it a lot does rest on your shoulders to make sure that you're doing all you can to faithfully keep that tension of organism and organization yeah, kind sure. of going so uh yeah just be ready for work i think let me, let me ask you i don't know how how uh much you can answer this question without being arbitrary but percentage wise between what you've just described working on the organization even working on the organism and actually doing the stuff that's in your heart uh speaking to people equipping them for evangelism you know going to places where you can uh do q and a's and all that sort of stuff what's the percentage between those two things it's a great question um and i'd, I'd probably say by the kindness of god it may be actually 80 20 at the moment um, 80, 20 which way, sorry. in terms of spending the majority of time doing frontline ministry right and that's certainly how i wanted to set things up and it, you know again it may speak negatively of my own aspirations <laughs> but I, I i am very willing to step aside from leadership responsibilities or hand over governance responsibilities if the right person comes along mm. the goal would be preserving the nature of the ministry yeah so yeah. is the heart and the vision there so there was someone who comes along with an operations role who says, hey, I really want to work on the organization side and I trusted them. We serve shoulder to shoulder. I'd be happy to hand over a lot of responsibility. Um, I'm I'm not uh, fixed on that. The only thing I am fixed on is making sure that in terms of vision and direction, we're heading in the right way and that we're providing the quality training and seeing the multiplication of evangelism happening. So um, yeah, I'm I'm in a wonderful position of saying it's majority of the ministry frontline stuff at the moment. Uh, But we have had times where I've just had to say, okay, I've just spent three months Mm pretty non-stop doing speaking there's a lot that we need to look at and usually it's sort of a month out from our next board meeting i'm thinking 
oh boy, I have <laughs> yeah. not spent yeah. enough time prepping for the conversations that we need to have. And mm. so I'll, I'll do a, a lot more of a, a few late nights to try and catch up a little bit in, uh, in preparation yeah. for that. But no, we're, we're, we're in an unusual position, I'd say, in that regard, where I get to spend the majority in frontline ministry. And that's, that's largely only because of the, the painstaking efforts of a couple of people on our board who take a lot of the practical responsibility of staffing and oversight and finances and stuff largely onto their shoulders. Yeah, fantastic. Dan, um, I'm intrigued to find out, like you mentioned a little bit before, that you kind of just, in pioneering, you, you go into it, um, but you learn things along the way. Um, you, you seem to me like a very knowledgeable guy. <laughs> like you just answer mm-hmm. questions. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where did that come from? I'm keen to find out what, what's been one of the biggest learning curves that you have um, in launching QC. I know you mentioned a little bit about this whole idea of workloads and different department but for you personally what's been the journeys God's taken you on um yeah that's a great question there's probably two things that stand out um let me start with the more I think helpful glorious one at the beginning (laughs) uh and it's just been the idea of uh, taking people with you on that journey so one of the real hearts of questioning Christianity is to do our speaking arm, our training arm, and our digital arm. The speaking arm is, you know, pretty broad, speaking to tens of thousands of people in a year. The digital arm is you're creating resources that you hope will be engaged with by tens of thousands of people mm. in a year. The middle one of training, you know, yeah. from training broadly, people how to have better God conversations, but particularly where we're, we're doing training for people in how to do evangelistic ministry and particularly speaking in our speaker academy. Just the joy of both with staff members carrying that culture together and multiplication, but then also with the group Mm. that we're training of just taking people with you and seeing them capture God's heart for seeing people come to know Jesus. And uh, that's just been a a joy again, maybe for a fair bit of the last five or six years, uh, doing more itinerant nature ministry. It's just felt lonely is not the right word because you're surrounded by people that you love, but it's felt um, like the discipleship angle had taken a very much backseat to my own journey, whereas sure. it's been great reviving oh, that again and nice. uh, and seeing multiplication play out. So encouragement relationally and just exciting to, to work shoulder mm. to shoulder um, with others. The, the, the other one, and, uh, and I, I shouldn't still be learning this lesson 17 years into following <laughs> Jesus, but it's just been the kindness of God. Yeah. And people think I'm going to launch a new not-for-profit Christian ministry in the middle of a pandemic when there's a massive downturn in the economy and people are freaking out over house prices and rising gas prices and stuff like this. And you just think, am I going to be able to support my family? And then Mm. the added pressure of, okay, now we've got staff members on team as well. And I'm, I'm interviewing people for these positions and they're leaving jobs or they've got Mm. these hopes and dreams and I'm inviting them to come and work with us and thinking, all right, there's a deep responsibility that you put on your own shoulders of saying, I, I want to be able to provide for this person for at least 12 months or 24 months, whatever mm. our, our contract ranges are, just to give them some degree of, uh, of, sure. of security or stability. And then turning around and saying, but where is this coming from? You know, And just keep having to trust that yeah. God is going to provide. Uh, and I should have known it because it's happened time and time again. And yet our hearts are so quick to Mm -hmm. wonder how do we shore up what needs to be shored up rather than just trust that God would Mm -hmm. do it. And just through, through, through prayer, I've been reminded again at times where you're like, all right, I actually need to spend a real intentional season on fundraising, just the kindness of God to do something unexpected um, Mm -hmm. and bring people along that are are wanting to get behind it or support or help out in small ways. And it's just been a real, real gift to rediscover the kindness of God and in bringing that about. No, that's really great. 
I reckon if any of our listeners have that pioneering call, mm-hmm. uh, that trail, they need to go back and listen again uh, to some of the mm-hmm. stuff you've 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 shared there. Because I think there's some real nuggets that you've covered. I pioneer things as well, probably not as amazingly as you. At times, I'm learning a lot, but I there is a cost to being a pioneer. I wonder what's been the biggest cost to you. Poor. Uh, I should think on that question for a while. Um, I'm not sure uh, at this stage in time. We've been through a, a pretty busy season, and I don't like that word, but uh, you know, we've been in the midst of moving our family, trying to build yeah. a family home for the, for the future, for the boys, launching the ministry. My wife going back to work. We've got three young boys uh, starting schools, been lecturing at college. It's just felt a little bit manic at times, mm-hmm. just how to, to juggle all of that. And I think probably the biggest cost that immediately comes to mind uh, is just a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of uh, expectations of what rhythms would look like mm-hmm. week on week. Do I know where I'll be and when I'll be? Uh, mm-hmm. What nights I'll be free and what nights I won't be free? And just mm-hmm. all of that, uh, which weekends will I be home and which won't I be home? Mm-hmm. It's just very sporadic. So yeah. people say, what do you do? What's it like? And I'm like, I actually have, it's very hard for me to to answer a question like that uh, because various dimensions of those needs uh, mean I'm all over the place all the time. Yeah. So the cost is just uh, probably sleep and a sense of mm-hmm. normal rhythm, um, mm-hmm. which is just always in flux. And some people thrive on that. I probably lean into that a little bit. So I think I probably thrive on that a little bit more than others <laughs> would. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to predict too. And you do mm-hmm. longer hours um, just to make up for it where you need to. Yeah. Yep. Kind of just blew up my next question because I was going to say, how do you answer when people ask you what you do? You said it's really hard to answer, but imagine you're on a half hour flight, you're sitting next to someone, they turn to you, a bit of small talk and they ask you, what do you do? Well, how yesterday do you answer? we had concreters over at our place and right. I had a day off to, to try and help them finish off this stuff. And they've been at our house, they put the slab down, they put the driveway down, now we're doing some steps and they're you know, really good blokes. Uh, but none of them have any church background. Sure. And so one of them looks through my study window and he sees this light rig and he's like are you a youtuber what do you do <laughs> and uh and so i knew you were famous uh, and so i'm chatting i'm like oh no we have like, Stop 200 it. we have 200 subscriptions or something on our youtube channel mate this isn't we're not monetized that's for sure um but but it was essentially he's like no, tell me what do you do and so my normal thing is uh well i used to be a christian pastor but now i spend a lot of time chatting with people who have questions or doubts who are exploring what difference God might make to their life and whether the Christian story is worth believing. And so that would be uh, the, my, my kind of one-liner to do that. People say, well, what, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I, I do talks in universities and schools and public events. And then I spend a lot of time fielding people's questions because I think truth invites questioning and, yeah. uh, and just spend a lot of time processing people's concerns and objections when it comes to why Jesus might be worth following. And so, yeah, that's awesome. that's the way I kind of describe it. That's great. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you're, you're, you need to get a little bit more respectability from the crowd. It's like, well, I run a not-for-profit uh, and, uh, and it might stop there. But uh, no, most of the time I lean in. And so we've we've got really deep connections with good friends in our community, yeah. parents at the school, people that we are, that our neighbors and stuff who everyone knows exactly what I do um, because you're just not shy about it. Mm. You're not throwing it down people's throats, but it's like, uh, I try and help people process questions about God. If you've got any, let's chat about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's usually uh, people get very curious in that. Point. What do you mean? Um, so it gives okay. you a good opportunity. That's good. I know um, we're going to have to wrap it up really soon, which is such a shame, but we have to get you back. I have a question for you. Mm. Um, in 45 seconds, can you say why is Jesus good news for you, Dan? 
Yeah, uh, I think for me it comes down to three things. That Jesus is good news because he offers answers to life's deepest questions. That the Christian story speaks to who I am and why I'm here and where I should ultimately be aiming, who I should be aiming to become. And that's just fantastic news. Uh, It helps me navigate the world rightly. He's good news because he deals with the heart of my problem, which is my own heart. Uh, that sin has corrupted who I am and without him both identifying which desires I should and shouldn't lean into, but particularly dying in my place to deal with my guilt and my shame and to free me from the consequences Mm -hmm. spiritually of those things. Uh, He's the only cure to my real need. And also because of the hope that he offers. He's good Mm. news because he promises eternal life in God's future world to offer resurrection from dead, to be with him forever. And so the idea that death doesn't spell out the end, but there is the opportunity for eternal life with God. It Mm. it just changes the calculus on how I live here and now. What I don't need to squeeze into one life because I have all eternity to enjoy God just means I can live more self-sacrificially in light of that. Wow. Mm. There you go, everybody. That's a pretty good answer. Yeah. Mate, uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you talking not only about what's in your heart uh, behind and underneath uh, questioning Christianity, but also the journey to get there. Um, Just just with the last minute or so, what's coming up that you're excited about and where can people find you? Yeah, uh, so you can jump on questioningchristianity.com for our website. We have a ton of just articles and material on there. We've got YouTube channel, Questioning Christianity, or all of our social media at QC Socials, mm-hmm. and uh, Facebook and Instagram particularly. We put out videos and content that can be really useful. So we're creating a ton of new content, particularly now that we're in our new studio. Uh, but something really exciting just on the horizon, we've got a good friend of mine, Sam Albury, coming, who's a wonderful Bible teacher and speaks out of a rich experience mm-hmm. of following Jesus and figuring out where relationships fit into the Christian story uh we're asking the question on this event on friday night august 5th are relationships enough to make us happy so really trying to help people Mm. process what does the christian story feed into this pursuit of happiness and is it that i find happiness in the arms of another person or in a community of people or uh, is there something more that we're meant to be living for and so he'll do that q a uh you can jump on our website uh, or on facebook to look up that event fantastic dan thanks so much let's uh catch up at either end of a ping pong table Sometime soon, I'd love to see how your form is revived. Revive the, the Before the state of origin, there was the Sam and Dan showdown. <laughs> they were pretty epic from memory. So anyway, great to have you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. You're a great friend of ours. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway Ministry School Life of Leadership Podcast. Follow us for more chats with experienced leaders. For more information on Gateway Ministry School, please head to our website at gatewaybaptist.com.au forward slash GMS.